couple weeks, I'm going to be really glad to see some sweaters. Uh, I've, I wore mine as advertising today, but here's the thing. We said in the announcement, your favorite sweater or ugliest sweater. So here's my word of advice. In two Sundays, don't go up to somebody and say, boy, that's an ugly sweater. <laughs> it may be their favorite. So be careful with that. Uh, I hope that you'll attend and, and participate with that. Just have a good time. Um, we are in our study in uh, the, the uh, Beatitudes. Today is going to be the, the final message, and I'm really excited because uh, next week I begin uh, some messages for Christmas. So I'm going to invite you to invite people. Christmas is a wonderful time to bring people to church. It's, it's festival, it's, it's colorful, it's all those things. But uh, we will hear the gospel over the next several weeks, each and every sermon. So I want you to invite people to come so they can know Jesus as their Savior. That's the most important part of the church. But here we are in the Beatitudes, and we're going to um, finish this up with one last Beatitude. I read this this week, and I was floored. There's only eight. Today I'm preaching on the ninth. So sue me. I don't know. <laughs> I counted those word blessed. There was nine of them, so I've got nine Beatitudes. I'm going to invite you to stand with me, and we're going to, again, for the final time, read these wonderful Beatitudes, beginning with verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do pray that you would bless your word as it is read and as it is heard. I pray that you would bless our spirit, open our eyes to behold wonderful truths out of your law this day. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So we're going to focus on verses 11 and 12 of Matthew chapter 5. And I want you to notice a unique characteristic of this beatitude. I want you to see how many times you see the word you in this in these two verses. So you'll notice that five times he uses the word you and once he says your. And this is unique in this beatitude because if you look at all the other ones, he was saying they and theirs. Blessed are the poor for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted over and over until we get to today's text. Now he starts talking about you and yours. He's making this more personal. Let me read it again, paying attention to the words you and yours. Blessed are you when others revile you 
and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So we see this difference in this verse. Now last week, we concentrated on the type of persecution that Jesus spoke of. And that's why I've separated it and made this a different one. Last week, he said we were persecuted for righteousness sake. Now any moral person can be persecuted for righteousness sake. You're living what's right. You're doing what's right. You're living a, a good moral life. And people will put you down for that. As a Christian, we're doing things according to the word of God. According to what the spirit of God teaches us. And we're doing that and we're going to be persecuted because we don't see, like the world sees things, the evil that is in this world. Well, this beatitude tells me persecution is going to come when I am a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. When I stand up as a Christian, I'm going to be persecuted. Jesus said, if they revile you and they persecute you for my sake. Now, as we studied last week, when we're persecuted for doing what is right, we learn that's a characteristic of endurance that we need. We need to push on. We need to keep on living right, no matter what the world says, no matter what your friends say, um, especially teenagers. Don't let your friends say, oh, but come on, everybody else is doing it. You live for what's right. You stand up for what is right. But this kind of persecution is for being a Christian, and you're going to need the character trait of an attitude of faithfulness. So we're going to be talking about faithfulness today. You have the outline there in the bulletin that you can follow along, and we're going to learn that committed Christians stay committed. Faithful followers of Jesus remain faithful. It's just like in the marriage, faithful, uh, a faithful husband remains faithful. It doesn't matter what kind of temptation comes around or, or what comes on. A faithful person is going to stay faithful. A faithful church member is going to remain faithful to their church. A faithful Christian is going to remain faithful to Christ. Now, is it always easy? Absolutely not. It's something we, we have to work at, strive for each and every day of our life. But let me tell you, it's worth it. You don't have to live in panic. You don't have to live in fear. You don't have to live in worry. Just remain faithful. And did you know that in Matthew 25, Jesus tells, he, he shows that he is impressed by people who are faithful. Impressed. Jesus tells this parable of, of three men. Uh, the king had gone out um, and he had given them all money and, and they were told to, to use that money. And he went off on a journey and he came back and one day there was a day of accountability. Now two of the servants, they were faithful with what the master had given them. And so the master said to them, well done. This is Matthew 25, verse 23. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. So as Christians, we need to remain faithful to our Lord, to our Savior, Jesus Christ. And today we're going to look at five areas that Christians need to remain faithful. The first area is, number one, faithful Christians are faithful in their trials. As we read that text, we, we see he says, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. 
because of being a follower of Christ. Now, Simon Peter is one of my heroes. I, I love to, to read about Simon Peter. I love to preach about Simon Peter. And it's not because he always did what was right, because he didn't. And it's not even because that he was always faithful, because he wasn't. I love Peter because of how Jesus treated Peter. And I see myself a lot in Peter. You probably do as well. We make mistakes. We put our foot in our mouth. We, we speak before we think. All those things we know about Peter. But it's how Jesus treated Peter each and every time. I mean, this guy got in trouble. I mean, he made glaring mistakes. And the worst of all, he denied the Lord three times. But every time he fell, whether it was after walking a few steps out on the water and then beginning to sink, or whether it was when he denied the Lord, Jesus always picked him back up and brushed him off and forgave him. Here's what I love about this. God is always faithful. I may not be faithful, but God is always faithful even in our unfaithfulness. Faithfulness is a godly characteristic because faithfulness is a characteristic of God. To be faithful is to be godly. Now, Peter knew that. Peter learned this lesson. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12 and 14, listen to what Peter said. He said, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trials when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice in so far as much as you share Christ's suffering, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted, Peter says, for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Peter says, when trials come, and they will, not a matter of if, if you are a follower of Christ, and this is a key thing, if you are a follower of Christ, if you're faithful to following Christ, you will suffer persecution. You're sitting there today saying, well, I've not suffered any persecution. Well, think about it. Maybe because you're not out being a witness for the Lord. You're not telling people about your Savior. We have to be faithful in all parts. When the trials come, you are to remain faithful in that trial. When the persecution comes, when they revile you, you don't say, well, you know, I'm just not going to follow the Lord anymore. I'm just tired of this. That's not happening, and, and I'm getting in trouble all the time. And listen, unless you are tempted by unfaithfulness, you don't know how strong you can really be. Because Peter said in that, in that verse, he said, fiery trials are a test of your faithfulness. Listen what he said. Don't be surprised at the fiery trials when it comes upon you to test you. And it's in those times of testing that we, we see how strong we are. When, when a person is going to refine metal, they do it through the furnace, through the fire. The hotter it gets, the more the impurities are come out of it, and they, they wipe them off the surface, and they reheat it, and they keep doing that process. That's us. We go through these fiery trials because God is making us more like him. It's in those times of testing that your faithfulness is proven and your faith is exercised. You are tested by the trials of this world. And don't be surprised by it. It's bound to happen. 
But instead, we're to rejoice for God is getting you ready for something greater, something bigger, something uh, much, much more. So we need to strive to remain faithful in our trials because faithful Christians are going to remain faithful to Christ. Secondly, faithful Christians are faithful in their testimony. Look at another verse. If you still have 1 Peter open, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, he says, Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. One, one of my favorite days in the week is Monday, believe it or not, Monday. He said, oh, I hate Mondays. I love Mondays. I go to work on Monday with a big smile on my face because I've just been to church, First Baptist, and, and I'm, I'm just I'm riding high on the cloud. And, and I come in, and everybody's around the clock. We're ready to clock in. I got this big smile. I say, good morning. It's a good day to have a good day. What's wrong with you, Brother Bill? <laughs> and I can tell them what's wrong with me. I have Jesus in my life and in my heart and I have something to rejoice about we're to always be ready to make a defense for that hope that is in you this speaks of being a witness for the Lord one day a woman came up to D.L. Moody he was a great preacher back in the 1800s in fact D.L. Moody he had a, a habit of, testi of testifying before people every day he would not go to bed until he had shared Christ with somebody. That was just who he was. He'd be in bed, all warm and snuggled in, and remember that he hadn't shared the gospel. Get up, get dressed, and go out to the city of Chicago, in the streets of Chicago, and find someone to tell about Jesus. That's how committed he was. Well, one day this woman comes up to him and says, I don't like the way that you go around sharing the gospel. And D.L. Moody says to her, neither do I. Would you tell me, how do you do it? She goes, well, I don't do it at all. He says, well, I like the way I do it better than the way you don't do it. The point is, we need to be sharing the gospel. If you're a Christian, you are instructed, commanded to tell others about Christ. Peter said, be ready to speak up. Faithful Christians are going to proclaim their faith in Christ. They tell others what Jesus is doing in their lives. It's not so much that you go knocking on a door and, and, and asking them, you know, about their, if they're going to heaven or not. It's that coworker, it's that neighbor, it's that friend. And, and you just tell them what Jesus is doing in your life. When somebody gets saved at church, go to work the next day and, and tell them about the moving of God in your church. Whenever something happens, wonderful, give God the glory and tell others what Jesus is doing. We have lost the power of testifying in the modern-day church. In the past generation, it was a common occurrence to get up and give testimony. And not just to stand up in front of the church, but they, they knew how to stand in front of the neighbors, in front of their friends and co-workers, and, and testify what the Lord is doing in their life. And the problem with this is, maybe, that God's just not moving in your life. You're not open to His Spirit's call. We need to be ready and, and share what Jesus is doing. I have to have compassion for my neighbor to be able to go to tell him. I must remind them of God's love for them. One of the greatest reasons we don't have more testimonies in the church is because we have lost our testimony. Because we have not been faithful to do the things that God has called us to do. So we're called to be faithful 
in our testimony. Number three, faithful Christians are faithful with their treasure. I hope you got steel toed shoes on this morning. We don't like to talk about this in the church, but I'm going to. We need to be faithful with our treasure, with our finances. Look at what Jesus said about treasure. Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 19. He said, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth, neither moth nor rust destroys or neither thieves do break in and steal. For your, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then in verse 24, Jesus goes on to say, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. And he says, You cannot serve God and money. In, in all of this, here's, here's a fact that is just so true. You're going to say, duh, but that's okay. But it's, it's a fact. God's people support God's work. That was it. <laughs> I'm done. It's the truth. God's people support God's work. The only way I've ever seen it done in the Bible is that God's people are supporting God's work. And let me say it again. God's people support God's work. I'm waiting for an amen, but we'll hold on. Thank you. Faithful Christians are faithful with their treasures. They are faithful with their finances. Yeah, giving to the church, that's what we're talking about. But you know God is interested in every other aspect of your finances too. How you save, how you spend, how you give, all of everything. He, he doesn't own 10% of what you have in the bank account, beloved. He owns it all. So he's interested in what you're doing with it. And don't go home and say, well, that's all they talk about down there at the church if you're visiting. This is the first time, and I'm almost at 100 sermons. So this is the first time we've talked about it. It's not all we talk about. But it is an important part of our life. If we're going to be faithful Christians, we need to be faithful in our finances, and we need to support God's work. If you want to support something that is going to make a difference in eternity, something that is going to last forever, support your church. Christ's church will last forever. Satan is trying his worst to destroy it, but he cannot. Christ's church was placed in this world to carry out Christ's work. First Baptist Church of Madisonville was placed in this community to carry out the work of God, and it is supported by his people. We support it with our time with our talent and with our treasure number four faithful christians are faithful with their talents have you ever been given a present and never opened it just took it home threw it down? i got a present yesterday i'm halfway through by the way it was a bunch of snacks and all kinds of goodies it was just such a blessing but have you ever gotten a present and it it just sat there you did nothing with it Listen to me, God has given you some gifts, some talents, some abilities, naturally and supernaturally, but the question is, have you used them for helping others? You know, God did not give you those talents and abilities 
and spiritual gifts for your own enjoyment. He gave them to you to profit the church. He gave you those things so you can help those who are around you. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, when he's talking about spiritual gifts, he said, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. In other words, your gifts are given to you for the good of all in your church. The whole church is supposed to benefit from your spiritual gift that you have. It, it can be singing, and we could use you in the choir. That would be wonderful. It, it could be, you know, you say, I just get along with kids, man. Me and kids, were good. well, we need you over in the, in the nursery and in the children's department, youth. You know, all of those areas, whatever God has gifted you, there's a place for you in the church. And by doing that, it's, it's proving that you care for one another. You help one another. Because what the world says may, is not true, we are our brother's keeper. And we are to love one another. Faithful Christians are faithful with their abilities. Faithful Christians are faithful with their talents. And they're going to use their talents to bless all those around them. And finally this morning, faithful Christians are faithful with their time. We should give the Lord our time, our talents, our tithe. We should always be able to say these things are a part of our faithful giving back to God. And with time, we all have the same amount of time in the day to get things done. So, you know, you, uh, I hear from a lot of people, well, I'm really busy. We are a busy people this, in this society. We are. How much of that time are you just sitting there looking at a little four by three screen, you know? Playing that game, crushing that candy, whatever it is. Uh, by the way, you can look on your phone and it can tell you exactly how much time you waste. I mean, spent doing that. I'm guilty. Don't. I, I'm not preaching against you. I, I'm not. I, I, I have the same problems. But I want you to know something else about your time. You don't know how much time you have left. None of us do. If you read the obituaries, there are people in there from 8 to 80. We, we don't know the time. Here's what Isaiah said. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 7. He said, the grass withers, the flower fades. When the breath of the Lord blows on it, surely the people are grass. We're here today, gone tomorrow. We don't know how much time we have left. Mark chapter 13, 33. Jesus said, be on guard, keep awake for you do not know when the time will come. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, there is an appointed time. There's an appointment that I have with death. After that, the judgment, that verse says. Beloved, we need to be using up our time correctly. All of us have a limited amount of time in this life. And faithful Christians know that their time is limited. Jesus knew that his was. He was always telling them, I must go to Jerusalem. I'm going to go there and they're, they're going to betray me and I'm going to die. I have a limited amount of time. That's why he was so busy telling others about the gospel. He knew that his time was limited. He needed to be found faithful. He was faithful to the end. Philippians chapter 2 verse 8 says of Jesus being found in the fashion as a man. He humbled himself. He became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross.
becoming a human was very humbling for Jesus. But he, he kept it. He didn't stray from that. He stayed a human. He was incredibly uh, humbled by that process. And he didn't claim special privileges while he was on this earth. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life. And then he died a selfless, obedient death. And the worst kind of death, a crucifixion on the cross. Jesus stayed faithful. And his faithfulness translated into obedience. And I'm so glad that Jesus was faithful. I'm so glad that he was faithful to me. He was faithful to his word. He was faithful to God. Faithfulness matters, doesn't it? Christ's faithfulness reveals his character. And guess what? It reveals your character as well. God doesn't require you to be brilliant. He doesn't require you to be clever or articulate or innovative or charming or handsome or beautiful. All he requires is that you be faithful. Beloved, when you're faithful, Jesus said in our text, great is your reward in heaven. So one day I'm going to stand before God. My life will be a judgment of reward as a, as a born-again Christian because all my sin has been judged on Christ on the cross. He's going to take everything I've done and I'll be rewarded for what I've done for Christ. And we talk about the crowns, or crowns that we can receive. Here's, here's the reward I, I anticipate, I want. I want to hear my Lord say, well done. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Faithful Christians remain faithful to Christ. They remain faithful in their trials. They remain faithful in their testimony. They'll remain faithful with their treasure, with their talents, and with their time. And I pray that you will see that true in your life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you've given us steps to happiness through these Beatitudes. A lot of them just about our internal, but they always will flesh out. God, I pray that we would learn to be faithful to you, to our family, to our church. God, that we'll be faithful in all these ways that you have shown us in your word where we're to be faithful. I pray for this church today, Lord God, as we enter into this wonderful season of Christmas where we celebrate your first advent, where you came to live among us, to tell us about our Heavenly Father. God, I pray that we would be faithful to do that in this coming month, telling our friends, our neighbors, telling everyone we can, inviting them to hear the gospel of Jesus. Pray for return to Bethlehem, oh God. I know that's a great undertaking that this church is about to come under. Give us the strength, but more than that, let your Holy Spirit bring a lot of conviction, drawing people to yourself. And I pray it all in Jesus' name, for his sake and glory. Amen. We're going to have a hymn of invitation. I want to invite you today, if you're not a member of this church, but God is telling you this is where I want you, 
because we have a place for you here. We want you to come. So when we stand, when we sing, I want you to come out of your seat and come down to the front, and I'll take your hand, whatever your need may be. If you're lost, you don't know Jesus as Savior, I, I would love to share with you the gospel, how Jesus has made it possible for you to become a child of God, to restore your relationship to a holy God who loves you. Whatever your need may be, as we stand together and as we sing, you come on this first stanza.